Hey everybody, it's Ray Hughes, lead pastor at Foundry, and this week on our midweek conversation, I sit down with Andy Cunningham, our Friar campus pastor, and we're going to have a conversation about what we see God doing here at Foundry and beyond, and some of the key initiatives that we're working on. So uh, be sure to go back. If you're a part of the Foundry family, you'll want to go back and check out the State of the Church annual report, which can be found at our website at foundrychurch.org. Also, be sure to click, follow, or subscribe right here on this podcast. Uh, this helps us greatly because it spreads the word about this podcast, and and you also get to always get the newest content when it drops each week. So also be sure to share this content with others who might find it helpful. Okay, let's jump right in. Well, hey, Andy, thanks for joining me today for Midweek Conversation. Good to be here. Thanks, Ray. We're in this three-week series looking at our vision as a church and kind of inviting the Spirit to reveal His will for us in the future and dreaming and inviting people to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in their own lives. And uh, through this series, I'm inviting some of our pastors to uh, talk about what they are excited about in the future and what God is doing, what they see God doing and and some key initiatives. Last week, I spoke with Pastor Teresa, and today I want to just pick your brain on kind of what you sense the Spirit doing. And for those of, that might not know, Andy's our Fry Road Campus Pastor and has been here since uh, July, and so grateful for your contribution to our team and our our partnership and ministry. So uh, what's on your heart as far as the future of Foundry and 2023 specifically and what you sense God doing yeah. this year? Well, I'm excited. I mean, I'm still new on the tree uh, of Foundry. <laughs> um, you know, I haven't made a full lap around the one-year mark for Foundry, but I'm excited because I see a lot and see and sense a lot of excitement in our folks. Um, I see and sense people really are wanting to dive in more. I've had conversations just in the past few weeks with particularly folks who are um, coming to Fry you know, young couples or even people who have been coming there since the days that they were setting up in the in the theater that have said, you know, we want to we want to grow. We want to go a little bit deeper. If they've just been kind of the Sunday morning attenders, they now want to become uh, uh, people who are given two or three hours a week to, you know, um, their discipleship, uh, learning God's word, getting to know people in a smaller group setting, serving those kind of opportunities. So, I'm just kind of sensing a, a new stirring among our folks. Um, I had um, a conversation last week with with two couples that said, you know, we want to sur- we look at our our parents' generation. They said um, one generation up from them, and they said we look at our parents' generation and how they always had, you know, community and smaller group around them through our whole lives, and those were their friends, those were their social network, that was the people that prayed for them, encouraged them, walked through them, you know, while they were parents and now grandparents, and um, and they said, we want that, we sense that we need that kind of community where we can grow up together, where we can be, you know, spiritually formed and forge new friendships, invite folks in, and just have a, a, a central hub, kind of a, a base where you know, folks can keep grounded and keep connected and and um, just pray and encourage each other. So, you know, that's that's what excites me. It excites me that some of our folks are really ready to, to jump in and experience um, transformation 
as we've said, not in the rows on Sunday morning, but in the circles, you know, in smaller groups. And and that's where it, kind of that formation and that discipleship culture really starts to 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 you know um, infiltrate a church and you see deeper transformation happen there. And the cool thing is I think that's happening at both campuses. Mm-hmm. You've got yeah. your eyes on it at Fry yep, and I'm right. grateful for the ways that you're fostering that. Yeah. Um, uh, we're launching new groups at both campuses for Lent. Why don't you talk a little bit about that. And yeah, absolutely. Of course, Pastor Luis has been here a little bit uh, longer than me, to say the least. And, you know, so he uh, he kind of already had the roadmap set out for what they had been doing at, at Jones Road. So at Fry, I just kind of took some of that similar uh, template and kind of evaluated with, with short-term Lenten groups. You know, when we do a formation for Lenten groups, it's a six-weeks experience, and it's just the opportunity for folks to jump in when they can, where they can. So we've got some morning options, some afternoon lunch options, and some night options. Um, We've got some groups that are mixed, like anybody. And then we have some specific, like a men's group, a women's group, and a young adult group that wants to form. Um, And so we're excited to give different possibilities for people to step in when they can, where they can, and even maybe say, you know, I really want to grow closer to some guys or grow closer to some, some ladies and in the church. And so it provides those experiences. Now, the the groups themselves again are, are they're right at 1 hour. It's a time when people will gather, will pray together, will read a common scripture through Lent, will ask questions of each other and then pray for each other. I mean, it's it's a pretty simple, you know, on road for them to really jump in and experience something short term that we hope many of those will continue and become long-term groups and lifelong friends out of this. There there are many levels to why I think this is so important, and and I don't think it matters who's listening. It could be, some, you know, our listeners, a lot of our listeners are Foundry folks that mm-hmm. are part of our, our, our church family. Uh, we have other listeners who are not, who, who are listening in from other places, and regardless of where you are, uh, I believe that we're in a season just in the broader church where God is doing some amazing things. Uh, but one of the the that's born out of a need. And mm-hmm. I think one of the needs that people have everywhere, it's always been a need, but it's uh, even even more, I think, acute right now is the need for community mm-hmm. and and deeper relationships. I don't know if that's all uh, related to the pandemic and how isolated folks were. I think there's an element to generationally too uh, that we are so addicted to our screens and we're so sucked into kind of the digital world. My my good friend Jay uh, Kim that I had on the podcast before wrote the book Analog Christian, and it's all about this desire, this need that we have for real connection. And so I think this is at the heart of it. It's not something that we're just programming um, to try to build the church. This is about a need that people have, a, a deep per, relational need, and, and it's where we grow. Like if we look at the Wesleyan movement, uh, what, what caught fire and what made that movement so remarkable in terms of how it transformed um, the world, really, uh, was the way that they were uh, in community and deep community and accountability and prayer and in searching the scriptures, but but you know it was in community, it was in a circle, it was in a small group, it was even in bands, which we've um, had some folks do around here. 
which are smaller, deeper level accountability. So, I mean, do you see those same things? That's what I see kind of is this is born out of a, 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 a need. There's like a, there's an epidemic that's beyond just the virus, right? There's this epidemic relationally that people are so busy and disconnected and fragmented in their relationships. And we're longing for something more, more um, significant. Yeah, I, you know, I think that we see an impoverishment of eye-to-eye contact, and especially COVID hit that home. You know, um, people were on screens and looking at each other as if you would a TV or, you know, something else. And so really the coming back from being isolated and insulated was this desire that people had very tentatively because we still had to kind of deal with the PTSD of, you know, I haven't been in proximity with people in a while. What is this like? And you kind of have to get over some social awkwardness, you know, like, can I hug you? Can I, can I it's give like you I, a handshake? I know how to DoorDash food, but how do I That's order right. from a waiter? Yeah. So DoorDash even was kind of like a, a ransom swap, you know, like you take my money, I take your food, you know, and then you're moving quickly. So you're right. It, um, it was, uh, it, it's all about coming back now. And even now, you know, I think that people are just now kind of really coming out of that and craving it. And, you know, there's there's something to be said about the fact that we don't even think about the fact that all of us have smartphones now and we're carrying little computers in our pockets, all of us, at all times. And we're addicted. We're highly addicted to it. And we don't want to admit it. But if there's an addiction out there that we all don't name and we all don't think about, it's scrolling and binging and, you know. Or we're not to, even aware yeah, of it. Yeah, like, Because I think it. a lot of this is not even something that we're most of us are aware of because the pandemic is like gone in our minds. Like we don't see evidence of it everywhere. That's right. But the the PT, I think that's a good way of putting yeah, it. P, it. There's is. a PTSD there. You know, and I've got lots of friends that I talk to from, let's say, my hometown. And they're like, when, when are you going back to your hometown to see, you know, your classmates? When uh, are you going back to the the 20th reunion, 30th reunion. And I've just said, you know, I want to, but I've heard some of them say, hey, I see what they're doing every day on Facebook as if that's connecting somehow. Right. And I think that's their real life. Right. Yeah. And so this, that's the sanitized, scrubbed and filtered version of, (laughs) of life. Right. The happy version. Um, But for me, I, I just, I feel like that, you know, even in that instance, I'm like, no, I'm going back to my reunion because I want to get past that. See how you're really doing. How are you struggling? How can I pray for you? How's your family? You know, and, and get to those places. And you can't do that by looking at a screen. You can't do that even on Zoom. You can't do that unless you're in a room looking at somebody, seeing the way that, you know, the questions hit them and how they ponder them and how you can wrestle together and struggle together and confess to each other and encourage each other and just let the Spirit wash over the room, mm-hmm. you know, and wash over you and your conversation and that's that's where I think the struggle will happen, but it's just hard to get those people in the room where it has been up until now. And now it's like, okay, I don't care where you meet, restaurant, coffee shop, your house, you know, on a ball field in the bleachers. I don't care where you meet. Just get around each other and then center yourselves around the Word of God in prayer and get vulnerable, <laughs> yep. you know? So at Foundry, we're creating these on-ramps. So if you are uh, in the Houston area and you want to jump into a group, you can go to the website, thefoundrychurch.org, mm-hmm. uh, and find... Uh, it's backslash Lent groups. Backslash yep. Lent groups. Mm-hmm. Foundrychurch.org slash Lent groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find information about a group if you're looking for a group. We'd love for you to join a group. But I would also say if you're listening to this from somewhere else, find Christian community where you are. Find... 
a, a group and and find ways to connect with others and to grow and to go deeper than just the Sunday experience. And, and I think it's important to say the Sunday experience is, you know, the weekend worship, which is t- typically uh, where folks start in the life of the church, uh, is important. It's the heartbeat of the church. It keeps us connected to the larger body. Uh, but but what we're saying is that there's uh, that's the next step. That's that's a next step. That's a, extremely important to to our growth. Um, I, I also think that um, that there is there's something the spirit's doing something. Um, if I could shift gears a little bit, um, and even as you said that, like it's not that technology's bad. Obviously, most if it weren't for technology, people wouldn't be listening to. That's right. <laughs> to that's us right. That's right. Talk about how bad technology is. Unless they turned it off now because exactly. they feel uh, convicted. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're thankful for the means to stay connected in that way, and for the content, and mm-hmm. and and then I would like even what's happening like at the school that you and I went to seminary across the street from Asbury College, and there's a revival breaking breaking loose there that we wouldn't even know about probably right. at this point. Uh, because last week, Wednesday, there was a group of students that were there for chapel, and a chapel service that was supposed to last an hour is still going on. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so tomorrow will be, uh, by the time this releases, uh, assuming that they're still worshiping, but I don't <laughs> think they're stopping anytime soon. Uh, there, it just broke out into this revival that is captured. Like people are traveling hundreds of miles across the country, and even our Jeremiah, our youth director who graduated there, we said, "Go, Jeremiah, go!" And he's got a little brother there. Yeah, so he's and going so to, to experience. He's going to go there, and he's going to visit, and um, you know. But God is doing something remarkable, and I think it may be part of this movement that we sense. God doing across the church and and there are many dimension there are many dimensions to this I spoke about it a little bit in our um, state of the church a couple of weeks ago our, our event that we've talked about um, you actually gave me this book and I referenced mm-hmm. this book in um, in the state of the church in my part uh, by Win- Winfield Bevins uh, professor at Asbury uh, called the six marks of a movement and he looks at movements, um, which are defined, I think it's important to define uh, a, a, a movement. A movement is a group of people that are organized and committed to a purpose, which brings about change, um, that it spreads, that it's it's about both personal and social transformation and the church. So the early church in Acts was a movement. Mm-hmm. It was a group of people committed to a purpose and motivated uh, to see uh, a purpose that changed lives and changed the world and sa- changed our culture. Um, and the Wesleyan movement, I mean, the Wesleyan revival in the 1700s was a movement. It wasn't an institution or a denomination. It was a movement of the spirit mm-hmm. as a group of people saw need and they saw this, they saw God showing up to meet the, that need. Mm-hmm. Um, I see some of that, and he talks about these six marks, and, and we've talked about how we see God working in this way. Uh, the six marks of movement are changed lives, contagious faith, the holy uh, movement of the Holy Spirit, discipleship systems, mm-hmm. apostolic leadership that we're training up and investing in young leaders. We talked about that last week, yep. and organic multiplication. Yep. Um, so I don't know, just I thought maybe 
we hadn't planned this, obviously, because we didn't know <laughs> what was going to happen last week at Asbury, but mm-hmm. it seems to be the thing everybody's talking about. And I know you have a lot of friends who are who are pretty uh, aware, and you know, there's obviously the skepticism. I just wondered if you could share kind of what you've seen, what you've read, what what as you've reflected on what's happening there, and how how it is uh, it has the makings. I know you and I've talked about it has the makings of being fruitful beyond just a an emotional um, worship service. Yeah, yeah. This is not just a chapel service that has continued on and they're still singing a lot and all that kind of stuff. Um, there, there is a... Uh, it's amazing how God, when he does things, it's like he takes a smaller cross-section and just all of a sudden has an outpouring of the Spirit with a smaller group that if there's a greater movement, it just spreads, right? And so even the Methodist revival started with John and Charles Wesley and their friend George Whitfield and one or two other guys in a group called the, you know, the the Holy Holiness Club. Club, right? And they met and they wanted to take their Christianity seriously. They read scripture, they asked accountability questions, they did kind of the deeper work to, and allowed the spirit to move in their life in a smaller group. And that spread. That just became bigger than them and it took it got out of control. And, you know, um, same thing has happened throughout revival history as well. In the same auditorium, in the same place on Asbury College's campus, there was a similar revival in 1905 and in 1970, and now in 2023. And it's pretty amazing that God has visited and had a very localized move of the Spirit among generations through college students, starting in a college normal old chapel service. You know, and oftentimes I think where the church has gone um, a little bit off the rails is we've tried to plan and program revivals. So older churches I was a part of in the past would say, we're having revival week. Well, okay, well, you can plan that. You can say that, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be worshiping one week later, (laughs) you know, (laughs) an unending repentance, confession, prayer, and a sweet time where the Spirit is very palpable in the room. But that's what's happening, and it seems to be that maybe it's a generational thing. Like, each generation has a, a, a time and a place where there's a local movement from God. Now, you know, you've got the critics on one saying, saying, well, this is just emotionalism, and this is, you know, kind of a just an emotional thing that, you know, is going to pass, and it's, you know... But when the people who are in the room have said, look... When you walk in the room, you can sense that Jesus is there, that the Spirit is moving. One person commented and said, it's like getting in a warm bath, you know, of the Spirit, just being bathed, like you feel it when you sit in the seat. And there's something to be said about the experiential side of it, because if you never feel it, then you're just stoic, right? And and um, the other part of it, though, is what is going to be the fruit of this revival? That's what everybody's going to—the time will tell and everybody will see. Out of the 1905 revival, there was a huge missionary movement, and one of the best uh, missionary stories that we have, East Stanley Jones, came out of that. Okay, In 1970, we have all of these other folks that became evangelists and preachers that came out of this movement that were so moved and touched by what God did in 1970— but the other part of that is that this revival, we're hoping, hoping that it continues to spread beyond little tiny Wilmore, Kentucky, and moves onto these other campuses at other colleges, and it already has. University of Kentucky, Ohio Wesleyan, there's about 20 other schools that have had students that have come in 
and have started, you know, it's kind of spread from there, right? And so there's that TV show that uh, Reese Witherspoon was in called Little Fires Everywhere. And my prayer has really kind of been hijacking Amen. that word to say, we want little fires to everywhere. And if the hottest place that it is coming from, you know, is um, is right now in Wilmore, well, we hope that those branches, those embers that are still smoldering will go back and just light the, the people of God and activate them on their college campuses, you know? And that that tends to be what has happened in revivals, is that somebody comes, you know, they, they, the Holy Spirit just overwhelms them and they overflow and then it just kind of spreads out from there like a wildfire. Yeah, and look that's out when a bunch of college students catch fire for oh, God. I mean, man. that's there's a long history of that. That's right. And I mean, Wesley being one of them, right? Yep, I mean, that's right. That's right. So, so we think of this old man, but he was, I mean, it was a, a young group. It's a college so student. your Gen Zers, here they come. Here's a college student. And look, he was made fun of. People don't talk about that. But people who were the so-called Christians in Oxford that were highly scholars, you know, of the day and whatever, they were church people, a lot of them, but they were making fun of these so-called holiness club and what they called Methodists because they were methodical to to gather together, to pray, to confess their sins, to to worship, to sing, to, you know, all the things that are kind of being attacked today. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new about those attacks. Mm-hmm. The people who really are experiencing the Lord, they just kind of don't care. They're like... Look, God's doing this, and you can't tell me otherwise, that God isn't doing this in our midst to me individually and to us corporately that are here. And so the other interesting part of it, and and I'll just say this, is right now we're seeing pictures of, you know, it started as a chapel service. This was nothing like planned. It's a regular old chapel, and it's still going. And now you've got, like, people crowding around. It's moved from the college to the seminary and there, and people, there's only 1,700 seating capacity, right? There are crowds around this place trying to catch whatever, you know, a glimpse of it or the feeling of it or whatever, but the fire marshal's just like, no, you can't do it, you know? (laughs) So they got to wait outside. And it's kind of like the old stories that they said of the early Methodist revivals where people would just crowd around and get in trees and... Wesley had to go tell some people that got up in a tree, you know, you're going to have to get down because I can't be responsible for what happens if the spirit slays you and you fall out of the tree. <laughs> so what he told people, we saw that in Jesus, when Jesus was, had crowds around him, same thing. People are lowering people from, from roofs, you know, um, they talked about Charles Spurgeon in England. He preached at the tabernacle church there at the Baptist church in England. And people would like listen through the windows and out on the streets it's like when the Spirit of God is present, then people want, they're drawn like a moth to the flame to say, we sense it and we want to experience what God is doing in this localized place for the greater good of that it will spread out from here. And may so, it be. May it be. Come on, bring it to and Houston. That's right. So, um, so much to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And I would just encourage you, if this is, I would encourage you to go uh, read and find out what you can find online about this revival. But more than that, um, may it spur you on. Mm-hmm. Whoever is hearing my voice right now, I just yeah. pray that I think there are two elements of this. There's a personal mm-hmm. revival. Yep. There's yep. A, a renewal of our hearts and our minds, uh, but it always leads us to community. That's, That's right. what we've talked about. That's right. You know, That's And right. it always leads us into a community where we can together change the world 
Because it's not about just me having this holy moment with Jesus. It's also just not about me having my little click and circling up. But God does amazing things through people and through movements of groups of people who are set on fire by the Holy Spirit and then sent out into the world. That's right. That's right. And so we're in, we're in, there's one facet of this that's happening right now that we need to pay attention to. Uh, but I pray that you would be uh, captivated by God, by mm-hmm. the Spirit, mm-hmm. by Jesus and his work today, mm-hmm. um, and that we would all um, react and respond um, in a way that leads us forth to actually make a huge difference in our world. Yeah. And so that's yeah. exciting stuff. Absolutely. Thanks Absolutely. for joining me today. Thanks, man. I think we're out of Appreciate time for it. today, Enjoyed but um, certainly uh, look forward to uh, what God has next for us. Yep. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you.